We're a month into the 2023 NFL season. The Ravens are three in one. We talk about some trends we've seen from their offense and their defense so far and a lot more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm here with you, your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available as always on podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe in audio form and video form. It's the same show five days per week. Ravens content. And this Ravens team is three and one sitting atop the AFC North in sole possession after that 28 to three win over the Cleveland Browns. And here with me today to talk about the Ravens and some trends that we've seen over the course of the first month of the season. He's back for another appearance as Rocco DeSangro of Fox 45 and Fox Baltimore. And Rocco, I'm really excited to have you back here talking Ravens. We did this a couple months ago, right before the season started. You know, we started talking about well, what's the potential for this Ravens team? How would they fare early? I'd say it's been overall pretty positive with a couple of blemishes along the way, but overall, I'd still say it's been pretty good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, thanks for having me back, man. It's a pleasure to join you again. I uh, love your content. Love what you put out. It's great stuff every single week. So glad to be back on with the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, coming off that loss, that overtime loss that to the Colts that a lot of fans probably want to put in the rear view and never talk about again, which I completely understand. They rebounded really well against the divisional opponent in the Browns, their first of two AFC North games back-to-back -back on the road. Very convincing win. I know Deshaun Watson wasn't out there playing. He uh, did not play. He was inactive with that shoulder injury, so it was the rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But Mike McDonald, John Harbaugh said throughout the week they were preparing for both guys to play, and it really showed from the get-go that second drive of the game for the Browns. Brandon Stevens has his first career interception, brings it back, sets the Ravens' offense up in some really, really solid field position. And Lamar, on a design run, 10 yards out, takes care of business and starts off the scoring. So great start to the game. Uh, I know we're going to get into it, but there are some things the offense needs to clean up going forward. But as the game went on, Overall, a very solid performance from the Ravens offense, especially if you look at that week three game against the Colts and how sluggish that offense really was. Oh, yeah. And before we get into everything, Rocco, you mentioned Mike McDonald there. And I've seen a couple of people on social media starting to get the Mike McDonald head coaching train off, off out of the station. And I'm saying, hold on a second. He's only been here for a year plus. But look, the way he's had that defense flying around the field, plus, you know, you have to take into account they haven't had Marlon Humphrey the entire season. There's been no Marcus Williams for an extended amount of time. They've dealt with injuries to the pass rush as well. We'll get into the defense in the second part of the show. But I don't know, Rocco. It feels like Mike McDonald's starting to really pick up steam in that head coaching conversation that we still have months and months to get to. But he's already getting that recognition, which to me is he, he deserves it, honestly. I'll tell you what, he replicates a few more performances like that. If his unit goes out and does their job, he is going to be a hot commodity going forward. And I know Ravens fans, you don't want to hear that. The flock wants him here. They love him so much because of what he's been able to do. But Mike McDonald's a very good young coordinator, and it would not surprise me if in years to come he is a head coach because of how well he sets up this Ravens defense, especially this season. 
Yeah, he, he's been incredible. But offensively, Rocco, I think we saw the bounce back from Lamar Jackson in week four. You know, I think late in that game against the Colts, Gus Bradley started to really send the blitz at the Ravens and at Lamar. And we started to see some throws go behind receivers. And obviously there were a couple of decisions Lamar made. Granted, the sack that he took when the Ravens were in field goal range late in that game was not the best. But if you had to pick maybe one big trend you've seen over the course of this first month of the year, what's either encouraged you or you could go with one that maybe they have to clean up. But what's one big trend you've seen? I'll say the fumbles, the fumbles, the ball security from Lamar Jackson is it's been an issue the first four weeks of the season. And that's something Lamar needs to be aware of. And I think Lamar is making himself aware of that going forward. But it's something he definitely needs to brush up going forward at this offense needs to continue to click on all cylinders because Ball security is a big thing in football. If you lose a ball, if you set your defense up in terrible field position, the offense has a good chance of scoring. That's basic football, X's and O's. But for Lamar, I, I know he's aware of what he wants to do. He wants to hold on to the ball, obviously, but he just does need to do a better job of decision-making when it comes to the fumbles because that fumble in fast time, it looked like it was on Justice Hill, but in slow time, when they slowed it down, it was Lamar kind of letting go of the ball a bit early, kind of botching the exchange. But but aside from that, Kevin, Lamar looked fantastic. I believe the, the stat was two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns in the same game for the first time in his career. And you think of how many times Lamar Jackson has had a passing and a rushing touchdown in his career in the same game. To have two of each for the first time, that's pretty impressive for the former unanimous MVP. Yeah, and it looked like Lamar really just almost flicked it into the chest of Justice yeah. a little tad too early. But you're right, because as we kind of get later in the season, the weather gets colder, ball security is going to be a huge thing. And you can even go back to week three, that Kenyon Drake fumble, which that one had nothing to do with Lamar. But that sucked the air seemingly out of the stadium, out of the offense, because the Ravens were driving back into the Colts' red zone at that point. And to have four fumbles on four consecutive drives – I mean, it's something I don't think I've ever seen before and it's something you can't have. But even just the sloppiness in general, I think has been a little bit more of a trend that I would have liked because I think it's it comes in different waves. Week one, the sloppiness came in penalties. They had 13, which pretty ridiculous amount when you think about it. Week two, I thought was better. Like I, there were a couple of penalties here and there in that Bengals game, but they won and it wasn't a big deal. Week three was the fumbles, but they only had one penalty for five yards. So you think, oh, the Ravens only have one penalty. They should have won that game right against the backup quarterback, but they dug themselves in that hole. And then week four, they did have, I think, what, nine or eight penalties in that game. So again, just the sloppiness in general, I'd like to see get cleaned up. But I think a trend, a positive one, in my opinion, Rocco, is the red zone. Baltimore has been an incredible red zone team this season, which is such a far cry from what happened last year with that Greg Roman offense. Offensively, they are the best red zone team through four weeks this season. The 80% conversion rate in the red zone, which is something we talked about all last season, which is the Ravens go one for four in the red zone or two for five, and they weren't finishing. It was field goals instead of touchdowns, but it's not just the offense defensively. They're the third best defense where they've only given up a 30% conversion rate. That to me is a huge catalyst in winning championships for any team. And the fact that the Ravens are doing it both offensively and defensively throughout four weeks is a, is a great sign to me. Yeah, Kevin, the Ravens could easily be 4-0. You talk about the defense. How often does a field goal kicker make four plus field goals from 50 yards out? Never. Never. Like, it's like Man. you have Justin Tucker on the Ravens. It's like that that's something that is just crazy to be able to do. I mean, Tucker could do it, but it just hasn't happened before. So to be able to do that and 
the Ravens, their defense was beating themselves up after the Colts game. Patrick Queen especially. Love Patrick Queen because he wears his heart on his sleeve. He plays every game like it is his last. And if he loses, it's you don't want players to hang their heads necessarily. But Patrick Queen beats himself up. And like I want a guy like that on my team that takes accountability, even if he's not the one that needs to be held accountable for a loss. It's like he wants to win every single game. This Ravens team wants to win every single game. And they feel like they should be 4-0 right now because of that. Yeah, and I think we can all look on, look back in hindsight and say the Ravens maybe should have picked up that fifth-year option. I think people understood why it didn't happen, but I think when it did happen, a lot of people said, look, this is going to be a motivated Patrick Queen, someone who has a chip on his shoulder. And now it's up to him because I think he's going to get paid this offseason if he wants to, if he keeps up the play he's had so far. But we'll get to Patrick Queen in the second segment because you make a good point, and I want to touch on that too. But the other thing I want to touch on is Lamar. I think Mm -hmm. a trend that I've noticed is that when Lamar just feels a lot more locked in in terms of he's in that zone where I think he trusts his offensive line a little more, even though they didn't really have the best day, the offensive line on Sunday. And part of that has to do with you have Miles Garrett lining up and you're down Ronnie Stanley and that Browns defensive front is very good. But Lamar, when he gets in that zone, he was dialed in in this Cleveland game. It was one of the best games so many. Uh, that one drive before halftime where he had a dot to Melvin Gordon, a dot to Zay Flowers, dot to Nelson Aguilar, dot to Mark Andrews. I think when Lamar is locked in in that zone, he's almost impossible to stop because he's making the right reads, making the right decisions. And in an offense where he is trusted by the offensive coordinator and the head coach and himself to go out there and maybe change a play up at the line or make a different read, that to me is a dangerous Lamar Jackson. And I think when he has been in that zone, he's shown it. Yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with that. And he almost had five touchdowns. I saw you tweet about the uh, Nelson Aguilar one, and that was a catch that was almost made. But when Lamar is locked in, like you said, I mean, he's basically unstoppable. He's one of the best players in the NFL for a reason. And there are people on the outside that are going to knock Lamar. This fan base knows how good Lamar Jackson can be. They've seen it week in, week out. And Lamar Jackson has proven how good he can be. Yeah, he's going to have some off games. You know, there's going to be a week where he might not play his best. Take the Colts game, for example. Hate to keep bringing that up, but just looking at that. But when Lamar Jackson, look at the Bengals game, look at the Browns game. When he plays top-of-the-level competition in the AFC North, he's, he's coming for this division this season. I'm telling you what, Lamar Jackson, when he is locked in, he is a scary Lamar Jackson in the backfield. Yeah. And, and I think part of that has to do with the the weapons that he has out there now. There's been no Aldell Beckham, no Rashad Bateman. They've both had to miss some time here. But Zay Flowers, to me, my one of my bold predictions, Rocco, was the fact that I thought that by the end of the season, Zay Flowers is going to be the number one receiver on the team. I think by the end of week one, he was the number one wide receiver on the team. And to me, that was like, okay, maybe it was just a good week one. And, you know, it'll, he'll come back down to earth a little bit. And Odell maybe be the veteran of Rashad Bateman, whatever. But no, the trend to me is Zay Flowers has been the best wide receiver on this team. Now injuries have had to do with a part of that. But Zay himself, three-level receivers, made plays at all three levels, is juking guys out of their shoes. To me, a trend is, yeah, Zay Flowers is the best receiver on this team. And I don't know if it's really close at this point. No, I would completely agree. And even if Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham weren't injured, I still think Zay Flowers is the best receiver on this team right now. Going into the season... Many thought that Rashad Bateman, this was going to be his year. He was going to be healthy, and he was going to go out and do his thing. He hasn't been healthy. That's the problem. The first couple of games, he was kind of non-existent on the field. But I think when Rashad Bateman gets his bearings, gets healthy, gets back in his zone, it's going to be a really good locked-in Rashad Bateman. But Zay Flowers, man, to your point, there's a reason why Zay Flowers was at the top of their draft board. He was 
their number one receiver. Didn't matter who got taken before Zay Flowers. I, I, I think the Ravens are glad that, you know, guys got taken before Zay Flowers because he was the guy all along. That's what Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, and Scout said in that post-draft press conference. Like, they were locked in on this guy, and you've seen it. If you put Zay Flowers against a corner one-on-one, we've been able to see, like, watching the one-on-ones in, you know, training camp, in preseason, in the joint practices against the commanders. We're like, all right, you know, they're, they're awesome, but they do favor the offense. Watching Zay Flowers out in the open field and in one-on-one coverage against a cornerback, it's tough to defend Zay Flowers. They call him the joystick for a reason, and he's shown why. Yeah, he's, he made three Browns miss on one juke move in that week four game. He he is unreal. And I know there were rumblings. Yeah, maybe the Patriots could have taken him at 14. Some teams had him as a best receiver. But crazy to think that uh, that run of wide receivers, Zay Flowers was third, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison going before him. But coming up mm-hmm. in the second part of the show, we'll flip into defensive mode, talking Patrick Queen, talking Roquan Smith, and a little Mike McDonald too. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Football host Benny Arity to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for daily draft, scouting the waiver wire every week, you're going to be finding you the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Benny's picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And Bengals running back Joe Mixon is off to a slow start with the rest of the team's offense as Joe Burrow battles playing through that calf injury with the receiving core shorthand of minus C. Higgins in Cincinnati in desperate need of a verb victory at Arizona. Look for the team to focus on winning with rushing attack and defense. The Cardinals have allowed some ample production on the ground. Look for Mixon to get 80-plus yards and a touchdown. And again, Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship with Motors. Knows championship team is not each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your ride needs. eBay Motors has them with eBay Guaranteed Fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, if these prices are burning rubber, not cash. Keep right or die live at ebaymotors.com. Maybe guarantee fit only available to US customers. All owners, all exclusions apply. We're back. Our second segment locked on Ravens. Kevin Allshark is still here with Rocco DeSangro talking Ravens football, talking defense now as we look at trends throughout the first month of the season. And I do this because you know, week one overreactions, it's it's early. Like you don't want to you don't want to react too early to stuff. You want to have, I think, a pretty substantive base of film to review, of tape to watch. And I think a month is a out the time I say it's all right we can do this but the Ravens Rocco are the number one passing defense in the NFL in terms of net yards per attempt I don't like to do pure yards because if a team passes 500 times compared to a team that passes 100 times obviously the team that passes 500 times is gonna have more yards but it's in terms of what you do with those snaps and those attempts. So the Ravens, the best pass defense in the NFL and the seventh best rushing defense in the NFL. I'll ask you the same thing I did to start off the offensive segment. If you had to kind of identify one big trend that you're looking at through the first month with this defense, where would you go? Guys stepping up. Guys stepping up with their number one cornerback down in Marlon Humphrey, with Marcus Williams going down that first game, being out the next couple. And we thought it was potentially going to be eight, I mean, it could have it could have potentially been a season ender, but Marcus Williams decided not to opt, you know, not to undergo surgery on that peck. And he was back practicing in full this past week, but other guys have stepped up. You got Brandon Stevens, who in the preseason, I was like, all right, is, is Brandon Stevens gonna be like a guy the Ravens can really rely on? And he has stepped up to the occasion. Brandon Stevens has been great. And then you look at Geno Stone. Geno Stone in that safety position, he's been fantastic as well. So Guys stepping up, it doesn't matter. They plug and play, and that's what a Mike McDonald defense should be. 
It should be okay. We have the guys that we are confident in our reserves. When guys get injured, other guys can fill in, step up, and it's that next man up mentality. So that's my trend for sure. And I think that it's really fair to say that the Ravens would not be where they are today if, they, if their depth did not step up. Because what they did was they built this roster, I think, a lot better, for lack of a better word, than they did the past couple of seasons with the depth to make sure that if they had to go through the injuries, which I still say they're paying the price for that 2019 season when I think they maybe lost one starter and now they've lost everybody over the past four years. But you have guys not even, you know, Brandon Stevens, yes, I 100% agree. Rocky Sian has made a couple of plays. Ronald Darby's looked really good in open field tackling has been great. You mentioned Geno Stone, who I think was trying to house that ball that he picked off in the Browns game based off what happened in the Bengals game on the all 22 show that it wasn't as easy as a pick six than it would have been. But Geno Stone's been great for them. Guys stepping up on the defensive line, guys stepping up outside. I mean, Jadavian Clowney comes in and it's just been unbelievable. That's a trend to me, Rocco, where I know that, Clowney coming in, there were some questions about the consistency as a pass rusher, the leadership, the injury concerns. But I think everybody knew he was this great run defender. But he has shown to me that, to me, he's been the Ravens' best pass rusher so far. And I know Marlon Humphrey called him Mr. Almost, which is crazy that he ended up making that up. But I think he'd probably have, what, five or six sacks, maybe eight at this point, if he, he just wrapped up the quarterback and got him down. But he's been super disruptive. And some people would have said, oh, well, you know, it's just week one against the Texans. It's just week two against the Bengals. Give it some more time. It's, it's been a month, Rocco. And Jadavian Clowney's been exceptional for him. I'll tell you this. To anyone out there listening and watches watching Raven games week in and week out, watch Jadavian Clowney. Watch him, you know, on a drive. It's, it's so easy to focus on the ball and you're going to watch the football, but just watch him. And if you go to a game and you're not watching on TV and you can, you can look and see with your own eyes rather than watch the broadcast angle – I was in the press box and I saw him do a move. It was like a little Euro step. And then he ripped through a guy and he didn't get to the quarterback, Marlon Humphrey calling him Mr. Almost. But if Jadavian Clowney can finish, this Ravens defense gets that much scarier because to your point, he definitely has been the best Ravens pass rusher. And it, it really stinks what happened to David Ajabo. He can't catch a break with injuries, being on the injured reserve. And then Odafe Owe injuring his ankle. Hopefully they're getting Tyus Bowser back soon. That is the hope. But right now, it looks like they're going to have to rely on Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, Tavius Robinson here and there. And that's like maybe not the most eye-popping pass rush group there is, but the Ravens have been able to find these veterans, sign them to one-year deals, sign them to you know one, two-year deal contracts, and they've been able to come in and really help the defense out. Yeah, and I think part of it too is even the fact that they don't have to just send four because sometimes the Ravens consistently struggle a little bit to get the pressure with just four guys, but they send Kyle Hamilton on the blitzes like we saw in week three and Hamilton, the Colts just literally did not have an answer. It was the same thing over and over and over again. And Hamilton just kept getting home. So the way that Mike McDonald was calling his defense, I think it's not the Don Martinville defense where it's blitz after blitz and you live and die by the blitz. It's more strategic with it, but the blitzing has been up from Mike McDonald, who I know did talk about that over the course of the past week and just what, you know, just take what the game gives you. But I think this aggressive style of blitzing from Mike McDonald, again, it's not the crazy over blitzing that we saw from Don Martindale. I think it's just right, which has been just what the Ravens defense needs to maybe mask some of their weaknesses, especially with some of the injuries. Yeah. And if you look at the quarterbacks they faced, the Ravens should be sending pressure and sending the blitz. blitz. They, they faced a rookie quarterback in CJ Stroud, and aside from the Ravens game, I mean, 
he was really good in the Ravens game. He didn't have a touchdown, but this dude's like looking like a young superstar. And the Ravens did a really good job of containing him. Then you get Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow on a bad calf. And, and that's, you know, I'm not taking the win away from the Ravens, but you have an injured quarterback. You want to send the house at him. Make him think about his decisions. And then you have a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Yeah, he's been there, done that, but he's still a backup quarterback, and he's a backup for a reason. And then you go out and see a rookie quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson at a UCLA. You want to make these guys feel uncomfortable, especially if they haven't necessarily been in a position like that before where a Dorian Thompson-Robinson hasn't first start and you're throwing the house at them as you should when we get we get deeper into the season maybe they scale off a little bit but I really don't think they do I think Mike McDonald is confidence in the group of guys he has bringing the blitz in more ways than one with with Kyle Hamilton which was really cool to see against the Colts and going in for three sacks as a safety which is just I mean that's crazy unheard of so I think Mike McDonald's really doing a good job dialing it up and that's that's big for the Ravens going forward defensively yeah and I agree where when you're facing these inexperienced players, especially rookies or first-year guys, part of what has made the Ravens so successful is their defense is so complex. And it was the same with Don Martindale. Well, with Mike McDonald, there are so many intricacies in that defense that young players maybe just haven't seen on film before, haven't seen in live game action before. So that's why, you know, Joe Burrow, arguably the worst game of his career, was the first game he started against the Baltimore defense back in 2020. And then obviously he lit the Ravens up two times in 2021, which we're not going to talk about. But the Ravens, I think, do a good job of that, which is key. But another key part of that defense has been the inside linebackers. You mentioned Patrick Queen, Rocco, in the first segment. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, the trend to me is they are the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL. I don't, You know, you, you could put a couple of guys in the conversation, but they they play so well off of each other. And they've been so good kind of anchoring the middle of that defense. Patrick Queen looks like he's just flying around the field. Roquan Smith making plays as a run defender in coverage and just getting guys down. And even though I know Roquan Smith didn't come out and absolutely say it when he was asked about some of his comments and embracing that villain role, I, th- I think he likes it a little bit personally. Oh, he he absolutely loves it. And you look at the Bears. I mean, they... <laughs> They gave the Ravens, they basically gifted the Ravens Roquan Smith. And at the time, people would have been like, all right, we want our second rounder. I know Eric DaCosta didn't necessarily want to part ways with that second rounder because the guy wants to hold on to his draft picks. If he could, he'd have every draft pick every season long. But looking at Roquan Smith and what he brings to the team, not only with his play on the field, but the leadership role, how vocal he is, listening to him on Wired when he's mic'd up, it's really cool to see. And he is a competitor, a fierce competitor. And he's going at guys, and he doesn't want to hurt them. I don't think Roquan's out there to injure anyone. But he wants to make you feel it when he hits you. And I think he does. And it's the physicality that he brings each and every week. And the Ravens, in the past years, at times they've missed that. They've missed that. Obviously, you had Ray Lewis. But, like, Roquan Smith, he loves that guy. Like, those two, when they were sitting in the room together watching film, I thought that was one of the coolest moments for for this Ravens fan base to see the past in Ray Lewis the Ravens legend and then to see Roquan Smith what he can bring going forward what he's already brought not even playing a full season with the Ravens yet so those two guys 79 total tackles seven tackles for loss Roquan and Patrick Queen are one and two on the Ravens tackle list this season and I'm telling you what they said before the season began they want to put their stamp on being the best linebacker duo in the league I think they have. I really think they have. And the Ravens right now, they have a really solid one-two punch with those two guys. 
100%. And part of it, too, is with the Ravens' defense and the way that Roquan and Patrick Queen play off of each other, that sideline-to-sideline speed. The defensive line, I think, has done a really good job, too, freeing those guys up to go and make the plays. But Patrick Queen blitzing up the middle has been such a good play for them this year. Roquan Smith makes it, you mentioned it, makes it feel it. He rips the helmet of the Browns, got, didn't intentionally go and rip it. But, you know, the tackle, he was a little physical. The helmet comes off and he says, I think on the vault with Bobby and Sarah, who do a great job over there. Hey, just, you got to buckle that chin strap. You know, that's, that's what it is. So Roquan has that villain to him. And I think it's something yeah. that, yeah, you know, you mentioned Ray Lewis. I'm not, you know, comparing Ray Lewis and Roquan. I don't think that's fair right now, but yeah. There's still so much that Roquan, he loves the game. I think he loves Baltimore and the way that he's embraced the team and the city. I mean, we've seen that a lot from veterans. And I think we've seen a lot this offseason. I know we talked about with Odell and how Odell's embraced the team and the city. So, you know, Jadavian Clowney coming in. It's been awesome to see Roquan and kind of how he's embraced everything right now. Definitely 100%. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll do a week four wrap-up. Week five pre because the Ravens have a big game on the dock with the Steelers coming up. But we should have stayed tuned, plenty to talk about here on Locked On Ravens. But first, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And there are times when people know what's good for them, but your brain sometimes gets in the way. For example, maybe you're trying to fall asleep at night and your racing thoughts might keep you awake. And if you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way, sometimes that can happen a lot to people. Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And there are so many benefits to therapy, whether it's learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It has plenty of benefits, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Our background, I got locked on Ravens, Kevin Ostriker and Rocco DeSangro still talking here with you. And Rocco, I, you did a little bit of a preview or a review of that Cleveland game in the first part of the show off the top. But I want to ask you about a key moment in the game, which was the second half. The Ravens are up 21 to three and the offensive play calling starts to get a little bit conservative. And I think some fans were not very happy with the way the play calling was because they said, well, the Browns can go. And if there are too many three and outs, they can go and mount to come back. And what if they do this? And if the Ravens are playing with fire here, but in my opinion, Rocco, and this is no disrespect to Cleveland or anything. Mm-hmm. When the offense came out there with Dorian Thompson Robinson, after what I had seen in the first half, there was nothing in me that said Cleveland has shown me that they can go out there and score points on this Ravens defense. And the funny thing is the Ravens ended up scoring points at the end of the game, being conservative. So it didn't really matter at the end of the day. But what you kind of think of Todd Monkin's play calling throughout, because it started off a little slow in the first quarter. It got really good in the second quarter, and then it kind of got conservative in the second half. I don't think Todd Munkin has called his most complete game yet. And I think we are we are going to see that going forward because for these guys, and I don't think it's a Todd Munkin thing. I think I think some of it does have to do with Todd Munkin, but from an execution standpoint, players need to do a better job of executing as well. So with Todd Munkin. I don't like the three and outs. There are some questionable play calls there. I'm not going to, you know, nitpick every single thing that Todd Munkin does because we're four games into the season. But like, like you said, we're a month in, so we can overreact a little bit. But I think with Todd Munkin, trust the guy. Trust the guy right now. The flock needs to put their trust in Todd Munkin. I know 
they got they got tired of Greg Roman, especially towards the end. Greg Roman did a great job with Lamar when he first started. The, the hope is that Todd Munkin can not only do a great job with Lamar when Todd Munkin starts with Lamar, but he can do a great job with Lamar and unlock his full potential going forward the next couple of years. Because Todd Munkin, I, I do like his offense. I hate that the Ravens have been injured, banged up, because it's like you're, you're kind of stealing the joy of Ravens fans with seeing right. Rashad Bateman out there, seeing Odell Beckham Jr. out there, um, seeing J.K. Dobbins out there. That that killed me to see him go down because it stinks. You root for a guy like J.K. But Todd Munkin, I think at times, yeah, his play calling the three and outs, I hate that. There, there are too many three and outs. The Ravens need to clean that up. But I think as the weeks go on, he's going to do a good job of brushing that up, cater to Lamar's needs because that's what you need. You need your former MVP quarterback to be the guy like he was this past week, and you're going to see those performances replicated, I'm sure, going forward. Yeah, and the thing with me, Rocco, is I want to see Todd Munkin open up the field a little bit more, and I think we started to see that in this week four game after the first quarter plus after the fumble with Lamar and Justice Hill. But part of how you do that is you got to run the ball and make sure the defenses respect that enough to not just send everybody back or box you in as a whole. So in that Colts game, we didn't really see the Ravens go deep at all. It was a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short throws. And part of it had to do with later in the game when Gus Bradley blitzed. But even when he wasn't blitzing, it, it was a lot of that. But in this game, Mark Andrews, long of 36. Zay Flowers, long of 43. Melvin Gordon, long of 23. They started to open up the field a bit more. And the whole thing with the Ravens offense is this was never going to be Lamar throws the ball 50 times a game, even though they add the receivers and add Todd Munkin. The way this Ravens team can be successful is continuing to be a running team. That doesn't mean they have to run the ball 50 times a game. But John Harbaugh said it when Greg Roman was let go. They're not going to throw everything away that Greg Roman did. They've used some of the stuff Greg Roman had. And in this game, the Ravens averaged four yards per carry. But it's a bit misleading because the second half, we've talked about it. It was just run, 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 get the clock down, get out healthy and get out of here. But Gus Edwards, longest 16, Justice Hill, 15, Lamar, 10, Melvin Gordon, 22. So that, to me, is another aspect of just running the ball, establishing that, and then opening up the deep game because we've seen Zay Flowers get hit on a couple of those, Nelson Aguilar. We know Rashad and Odell can do it, Mark Andrews as well. So that's key for me. But let's talk a little bit about Week 5, Rocco. It's a big game against the Steelers. Definitely a struggle game against the Texans there with C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett doesn't look like he's going to play in this one. I know there is potential, but if I had to guess, it would probably be Mr. Bisky suiting up for the Steelers as the starter. The Ravens have an opportunity to go 3-0 and in all three division games this year in week five and be done with it, which I think is such a key spot for them. But the whole question is, can Lamar finally get over the Pittsburgh hump? He got over the Kansas City hump, but if there's a team Lamar struggled against the most in his career, it absolutely has been the Pittsburgh defense so how are you feeling about this game? Do you think the Ravens offense has enough momentum from that Cleveland game going into Pittsburgh? Or do you feel like this is a prime bounce back spot for the Steelers? Because the AFC North games, they're tough and physical. Nothing changes that. <laughs> the Steelers have not really shown me anything this season offensively. You take out the outlier game, and I'm going to say the Vegas game was an outlier because the Raiders defense is not that good. And you look at that win. The game against the Browns on Monday night, the Steelers' defense won that for them. The lone big play offensively, I could be wrong, but the, the one that sticks out to me is that George Pickens' long touchdown where Kenny Pickett hit him over the middle and Pickens takes it the length of the field in for six. And that was that was mainly George Pickens doing you know his thing after the catch. 
But this Steelers team this season, it doesn't impress me offensively. And there have been fire Matt Canada chants. There have been Steelers fans that have petitioned to get Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, fired. For some reason, the Steelers decided, okay, we're going to put Matt Canada in a bigger role with Kenny Pickett going forward. And that that hasn't worked. I know it's been one week, but Matt Canada doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, Kenny Pickett right now, he may not even play in the game. So you see what they did last season to Mitch Trubisky when Kenny Pickett got knocked out of the game? I'm sure the Ravens are going to replicate that performance defensively and just eat him alive this week. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I do not see Mitch Trubisky beating the Ravens. If it does happen, make sure this doesn't get clipped, Kevin. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll try my best. No, don't you worry. Wrong, like but... freezing cold takes or anything, man. Can't have yeah, that happen. I don't think I've had that happen to me yet, but I think I was spared a couple times with some of my takes that it did it didn't go over there. So I'm thankful for that. But let's end with an AFC North question. To me, it seems like every team in the North has questions, but with Cincinnati right now being one and three at the bottom of the division, I personally think they made a mistake by not putting Joe Burrow on IR in the first place because you could argue that if they did, they'd be one and three anyway. But here they are, one and three, and they still might have to put Burrow on IR with the injury. Their offense just has not looked up to par. Cleveland, you're hoping that Deshaun Watson can get back to his Houston form, but I'm still not totally sold on that. In Pittsburgh, as you talked about, they're still trying to see if they can get anything going on offense as the year continues. So to me, it feels like with the Ravens being 3-1, and 2-0 in the division, especially if they can pull off a win here against Pittsburgh, they seem like the early favorites. And this is not me handing them the division in Week 5. I would never do that because obviously a lot can change and a lot can happen. But what's your feeling on the AFC North right now? I think right now, Kevin, it's not crazy to say that this is the Ravens' division to lose. And there were many that said the same thing. They thought the Ravens were going to win this division regardless of injuries and how these teams looked before the season even began. But right now, you look at the Ravens, they're the best team by far in this division. And you take out the Colts game that they should have won. They have they, they should be 4-0 right now, but they are playing out of their minds in the division. I know it's only been two division games, but the fact that you get – a heavy hitter off the top. And I know, like I said, no Joe Burrow was hurt, not taking away from that win. But calf injury is tough. But week two, Lamar looked fantastic. That's the best I've seen Lamar in the pocket in a while. And he was just dinking and diamond, hitting his guys, and he looked great. So right now, I, I truly believe this is the Ravens' division to lose. I think smooth sailing going forward. Now you, you factor in injuries. You hope everyone stays healthy. But right now, seeing what we've seen from the Ravens through the first four weeks of the season, especially on the road, two division games, and they have another one coming up, I think the Ravens could easily and should easily win the AFC North. But nothing's easy in the AFC North. It's the best division in football, arguably. Yeah, I think, you know, we could yeah. still maybe see four playoff teams, potentially. I think maybe you might only have one or two in there now. But still, it's a talented division. And you mentioned injuries. I mean, look, the Ravens could be getting back Marcus Williams this week, who practiced full twice last week. Maybe Marlon Humphrey. I know John Harbaugh's kept it pretty close to the vest with his injury updates over the course of the season so far. I mean, I don't blame him for doing that. But maybe we see a couple of guys like Ronnie Stanley come back. Maybe they get Tyus Bowser and Keaton Mitchell, who John Harbaugh said maybe have a chance to possibly play this week. So they're getting reinforcements already being a 3-1 and football team, which to me is super, super impressive. And hopefully, they, as you mentioned, they can stay healthy because health is a huge thing in sports, not just football, but sports in general. But Rocco, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me here. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Tell people where they can find you and, and what you're working on. 
Uh, I am all on Twitter at Rocco DeSangro, on Instagram at rdesangro. Post content on on both of those platforms. Um, and we're, we're, right now, we're working on Sports Unlimited. We do Ravens recaps every Sunday. Morgan Adsit and I. It's going to get crazy with the Orioles and and whatnot. Postseason baseball, but we're still talking Ravens every Sunday. And then Ryan Ripkin and I. We do our podcast Rip and Rock. We're talking Orioles baseball every single Monday. Episodes drop. So Kevin, that's that's where you can find me, man. Really appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. And you can find his work in the description below. I'll put his links there. So be sure to check it out. He does great work and he's plugged into Baltimore Ravens, Orioles, and man, it's exciting with the Ravens and Orioles, both being good at the same time, which sometimes hasn't happened a lot over the course of the many decades here in Baltimore. But Rocco, I appreciate you again. That's all I have for you here down Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.